Hey, we have the chance to hear from one of our ministry partners here this morning, which is really uh, exciting. Uh, for those of you who have been here around Hillcrest for a long time, uh, we'll know uh, of Barrett Croft and his ministry uh, and his family. And uh, we were just chatting earlier this morning, and it's almost 19 years that Hillcrest has been supporting as one of the ministry partners for uh, Barrett and his ministry. And if you were around here, I think is it maybe five or six years ago was the last time we got to hear from um, Barrett. And it was such an encouraging story about what God is doing uh, through him and his ministry and through sports ministries and uh, uh, that kind of thing, and I know that you're in for a treat uh, here this morning. So can I welcome Barrett to come on up, and uh, we'll just say, yeah, welcome him, yeah. Yeah, come on up here, Barrett, and then uh, I'll just say a quick word of prayer for you, and uh, I will let you take it away. Lord Jesus, we just want to say thank you uh, for this morning to be here together as a congregation. Uh, we pray that you would just encourage our hearts with your word uh, to us this morning, uh, I pray that just in this atmosphere already of prayer and worship and commitment to you, um, that we would be inspired by what you are doing in the world uh, and how we can play uh, our part in it. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> it's great to, uh, to be back here. It's, uh, there, we're, um, it, it's exciting. There's, there's going to be a few curveballs that you're going to get because some of you don't know what's happened in the last... Uh, eight to ten days, but uh, I guess it's maybe six weeks ago the journey started, but just even the last eight to ten days, so uh, that's sort of a, I'm going to keep you on the edge of your seat for that one, because it'll, it'll come up here a little bit later on, but uh, really, really thankful, um, as Kurt shared, uh, we've been, uh, this has been our home church when we lived in the area previously, and then uh, we've been doing um, sports ministry as sports missionaries for almost 30 years, and uh, for almost 20 of those years, the church here has faithfully prayed for us and supported us and, uh, and really sent us out on a continual basis to go and do wild and crazy things around the world. And so um, usually I've got a few fun stories to share, so hopefully that will entertain you this morning. But also at the end, um, prior to the baptism this morning, I just want to leave with a couple of challenges. But prior to that, let's uh, pictures do uh, a thousand words. So we're going to, uh, I think somewhere up here there's going to be, yeah, there we go. Um, introduce my family for some of you that don't know us. So um, this is in Fort Langley. Uh, on the far left-hand side is our, our youngest son, Jacob. He just graduated from university. That's crazy to believe that he, he's got his finance degree, and um, he is living in Langley, and, uh, and he enjoys the outdoors. So when Kurt was sharing about his story of camping in Banff, well, Jacob and his buddies, they go and do that like two, three times a week. And, and sometimes they're like, they're on a cell range and we don't hear from them for two or three days and they come back and they've had all these crazy stories. So he loves the outdoors. The, the bearded dude there is Jalen. He's our oldest son and he actually lives in Regina. Works for the government. Uh, he is Chris, Minister Christine Tell's uh, right-hand man. So um, he's there at the legislature building in Regina. And on the far right over here is Joshua and his wife Katie. And uh, they have also just recently moved here uh, a few days ago, loaded up in the U-Haul with us. And uh, they're expecting their first child in November, so that makes us grandparents. <laughs> right? So we're pretty excited about that part of it. So, uh, and then, of course, right beside me is my beautiful wife, Bridget. She, unfortunately, is not here because she had stayed behind for a few days to kind of help get Jacob settled um, at the townhouse, and then uh, she got COVID. And so... Um, she's stayed there for a few extra days. She'll arrive here on Sunday. Um, yeah, so super excited just about our family and the journeys that, that the Lord has taken us on over the years. Um, 
Uh, a couple health updates. Next one is uh, just recently, that's why I look like I'm, I'm in need of help coming up the stairs here, but on uh, the next slide you'll see uh, two months ago the left-hand picture was me getting my hip replaced. And uh, my wife is still mad at me about this, but on the right-hand side is the surgery was on the Monday. On Thursday I put the skates on and went for a rip with the Giants. So the miracle of medicine, um, and so my, my body is, is repaired and uh, still recovering. Probably um, if I slowed down, it would probably recover a little bit quicker, but my surgeon did say, just go and be as active as you can, and when it hurts, then slow down, but then go and do more the next day. So fits right in with our lifestyle. In 2013, oh, sorry, one more picture. I think there's one more. Before we vacated... Uh, the Lower Mainland a couple weeks ago, Bridget and I got to sneak away for one more date down in Seattle. Does anyone recognize that? Yes, that is gum stuck to a wall. <laughs> in Seattle, down by the market, it's like a real famous aisleway down by the, the docks, and uh, it's, it's like a 200-meter-long aisleway that's just stuffed with people's gum. And so it's really gross, but it's kind of a romantic picture at the same time. So <laughs> that's my wife and I. Um, yeah, in 2013, does anyone remember uh, the fall of 2013? What was going on in Saskatchewan? No. Great Cup, yes. Got some Rough Rider fans here. In 2013, the Rough Riders hosted uh, the Grey Cup. And um, for those that know our story, I was a chaplain with Rough Riders from 2007 until 2013. And so um, you got to see uh, a pretty crazy moment like that where in 07 we won the cup and then 13 we had another chance to win the cup at home. The chaoticness of 2013 though is that um, in the summer of 2013 we had accepted a job out at Trinity Western University to coach the men's hockey team. But we were like eyeballs deep <laughs> in the Rough Rider stuff and I just said to Trinity the only way we could do this is if you allowed us to kind of commute back and forth. Yeah, commute from Vancouver to Regina, coach hockey and, and be a chaplain to the football team. So just to describe some of the craziness, even around this weekend here of 2013 was um, we played in Vancouver, in Burnaby against Simon Fraser on the Friday night. And I caught the red eye back to Regina because the Grey Cup breakfast was Saturday morning. Ministered at the Grey Cup breakfast hopped on a flight at noon, flew back to Vancouver, played Simon Fraser that evening, got back on another red eye to get back here for the Grey Cup game so I could do that afterwards. That was, that was crazy stuff that was going on. And, you know, people at that time and even now say, what? why would you, like, that's insane. Why would you even consider doing something like that? And for us... Um, I, maybe, maybe we don't maybe look at it as that chaotic. We look at it as how God orchestrates our lives. And for us, we've always had the calling on our family's life of being pioneers in sports and to use sports as a platform uh, to integrate faith into it because sports is a language that's spoken around the world. In two weeks' time, you guys, or a week, and next week, you guys here at Hillcrest are doing your own mega sports camp. And how many of you just remember lots of different sporting events, whether it's the World Cup of Soccer or the Stanley Cup playoffs or the Great Cup that's happening here again in, in uh, November? Sports is just a language that people understand. It doesn't matter what language you speak, sports covers all bases. And so we've always, you know, uh, had the opportunity to hang our hat ministry-wise with Hockey Ministries International and for the last 20 years with Athletes in Action. And that's equipped us and prepared us to go uh, to places around the world. When I was interviewed, and to do stuff like that, that was after one of our championship wins. 
Um, when I was interviewed in 2013 to go to Trinity Western University, I was meeting with uh, Bridget and I were meeting with all the, the leadership at Trinity Western, and one of the questions that they probed us with saying, why do you want to come here? Like, what would be your purpose and, and your mission for our hockey program within the athletic department? And I, I said that we, our desire would be to come in and set up a rescue shop outside the gates of hockey hell. Really strong, bold, powerful statement. Um, and over the years, we have used sports of hockey, we have used the sport of cycling, and the sport of football. Those are the three main sports that God has allowed us to minister to from the grassroots level to the professional levels. And you see it on the news every day, especially in hockey right now, like a day of reckoning in terms of all the debauchery and all the chaos and all the wretchedness that goes on within sports. Um, those dark environments need a light shined within it and allow for lives to be changed, whether you're an athlete, a coach, or an administrator. And so part of my challenge to you this morning, before we get really deep into the, the challenge, you know, the opening slide was just a question of, for us, a rescue shop outside the gates of hockey hell is what we've sort of been called to. But my question to you as we dig deeper this morning would be, where are you setting up your rescue shop? Like I said, for me and my wife, Bridget, it's been in the sports of hockey, cycling, and football. But if you were to answer that question this morning and write down on your piece of paper or stick it into your mind, where is your rescue shop? Is it in places of education? Is it in the places of trade? Is it within farming? Is it in volunteering in your community? Where is your rescue shop? Uh, Again, just a, a, you know, going back to a bit of history with Trinity Western, I think, uh, I'm not sure what the next slide is, but our very first game that I was coaching, this is back in 2013, in like, I guess it would be October, so it was even before the Grey Cup part of it. We rolled up to the University of Victoria, to the hotel we stopped at before the game to unload our stuff, and I was sitting with one of the players, and he, he sort of looked at me in shock. He said, oh, coach, are, are, are we staying here? And I said, well, yeah, this is the host hotel for all our games here at UVic. And I said, why would you ask that? And he said, well, because last year, um, <laughs> at the end of the season, we played our last game of the season here, and we kind of got a little bit wild and crazy, and we destroyed a couple of the hotel rooms. <laughs> so at that point, I knew. I was like, oh, boy, we've got some work to do here. And, and to help change a culture and to help understand that these young men, that there's more to uh, the game uh, than what the game is currently offering. And we wanted to come in there, and, and really we knew that with our work um, of coaching at the junior level, um, that it was really a situation where we were going in to repair young men who were coming out of junior hockey. So just to understand a cycle, if you're, if you're just one of the youngsters that are here at the front um, earlier, if you wanted to play hockey, you would go into the local minor hockey. So Musha Minor Hockey, you'd sign them up for little tykes and Timbits hockey, and you'd go out and learn how to skate, and then... You'd move up through the age group, and then once you're good enough there, then you get to go and play junior hockey, so like with the Moose Jaw Warriors. And then at the university level where I was at, at Trinity, we would recruit players from the Moose Jaw Warriors. For example, Brandon Potomac was one of my players that played here in Moose Jaw. And then once they're done university, then they go and play pro hockey. So that's just sort of a, a pathway that you can see. But this window of 15 to 20-year-olds in junior hockey, <clears throat> I'd be here all weekend telling you stories of young men that have come through just our program at Trinity Western uh, 
of how they have gone through the meat grinder of junior hockey and how they've been treated um, in deplorable ways, whether it was about racism or whether it was about abuse, sexual, physical, verbal, you name it. And in doing so, they just had their joy of life and their joy of hockey sucked out of them and, and had no purpose and really no passion then. And they just sort of landed on our doorstep because we wanted to give them second opportunities. And once they come into a loving environment where we, we told them about Jesus and the life-changing effect that he can have on their lives and he saw how we served and came alongside them without a judgment, they soon fell in love with him again. They fell in love with their life. They found purpose and they excelled. And so we've, over the last nine years at Trinity Western, we've had some great success. We've won some games and won some championships that you've seen here. Um, but more importantly, we've seen salvations. We've seen baptisms. We've seen young men like Brandon Potomac, who left here in Moose Jaw, like close to seven years ago um, and didn't want to ever put on his hockey equipment again. And now he just graduated uh, from Trinity and he's going to law school, and he's getting married to a great Christian girl from Trinity, and he is loving the Lord with all his heart. Uh, because it was a repair job. It was something that Brandon had to go through in his journey, and at Trinity Western, uh, that what, that's what that program is all about, is repairing young men. Um, I had a, a, a couple of aha moments. Uh, and, and just to give you a picture, like Trinity Western competes at the highest level in the world for, for that, like for university hockey. There's no other faith-based school in the world that competes as high as Trinity Western. They compete in a league called U-Sports. And the conference they play in is Canada West. So that's against UBC, U of A, U of S, U of R here, Winnipeg. Like, so right across the country, that's the league that they compete in. <clears throat> and uh, so we're, we're playing, I forget, I think it was in... Late November, we're playing a game up in Saskatoon against U of S. And if you don't know, they've got a, a pretty good coach up there. In fact, he's so good um, that a really lowly NHL team called the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, they continue to pay him $5 million a year to coach at the U of S. Um, his name's Mike Babcock. He's a great guy that um, is coaching at the U of S after being fired from the Toronto Maple Leafs. And Mike's won some Stanley Cups. He's won some Olympic golds and all these other things. But he's on the bench with the U of S, and even though like, we're a small school in Vancouver, um, we want to compete hard. We want to make sure that every effort, every shift is a, a, a battle, and we're, you know, we might not be as skilled as the U of S, but we want to make sure we're competing. And as the speed of the game intensified and some you know, battles started happening, um, there was some emotions started to get a little bit wild during the game. And there was a scrum right in front of the bench. And so I'm, if, if this is the divider between the bench, and, and there's U of S and Mike, and here's my team, and I'm standing on our bench. The scrum happened right here. And the refs are in there trying to pull these monstrous men off of each other. And there's all kinds of yelling and screaming. But I, I hear one voice. I'm like, uh-oh. And, and there's Mike just losing his mind yelling at me. And, and I'm like, okay, I, I got a choice here. I can turn and engage or I can just look over here and just have this smile on my face and realize only God can orchestrate this type of a thing where here we are, the small school, the smallest school in university sport across Canada, competing at the highest level and having one of the best coaches in the game yelling at a schmuck like me from southern Saskatchewan. Only God can orchestrate that. 
And it, it's, it was one of those aha moments where I was just like, Lord, what, what exactly are you up to here? Uh, because it, it's just one of those things where you have to realize that as much as we want to do things and, and sort of arrange our lives, God gives us these curveballs and, and, and really challenges us to do things. Our season ended early. It was a 20-game shortened season because of that disease that happened uh, the last couple of years, and so we only got to play 20 games. So we were done in February, and so I went to my boss and I said, Jeff, is there an opportunity that I can just go and sort of help the Vancouver Giants and, and kind of do a coach mentorship with them. And he's like, yeah, for sure, go ahead and do that. And so for the last three months of the season, I got the opportunity to work with the Vancouver Giants and um, another aha moment of just standing there working with their 15, 16, and 17-year-old players and being in the thick of it and understanding, like, these young men. Is there any 15-year-olds here in, in this morning or around that age group? Like, 15 years old, they're so, they're so young. Um, and they're supposed to perform in front of these thousands of people and in front of scouts that are going to, you know, draft them to the NHL and stuff like that. And the pressure in the locker room on these young boys and the opportunity to sit beside them and take them out for some sushi and to just help them understand that it's more than a game, that they actually have purpose and they have, you know, they should find passion in that purpose, not just in the game. And so when I had that opportunity combined with that incident at U of S and then the opportunity to be with the Giants... Um, there was a moment, that aha moment, where uh, the Lord was like tapping on my heart somewhat gently, but maybe in hindsight he was probably yelling at me, and he was, he was yelling the word prepare. And it just kept over and over, prepare, prepare. Who's going to prepare uh, the younger players to come into this junior hockey environment? If Trinity Western is over here on this side of the meat grinder, and you're getting men that need to be repaired and Trey's doing a great job of it, then who on the other side is going to be preparing younger boys to go into that meat grinder of junior hockey? And uh, so eight weeks ago, had the opportunity to uh, come to southern Saskatchewan to Estevan. They're host- hosting the national championship uh, to scout, to look for more players on the other side of this meat grinder to come to Trinity Western. And uh, the one day I thought, oh, I, I should stop in at at Cairnport because Justin is a friend of mine and uh, I've heard lots of great things about Prairie Hockey Academy that are going on and how they're developing these young men and uh, stopped in and was blown away and uh, and as I was sort of walking around the Lord just confirmed and, and again was probably at this point yelling and you know if you can just <laughs> again, it takes a little bit to get through this noggin but it was just like some real strong like slap upside the head of Barrett this is where men can be prepared. And, uh, and I, I went down to Estevan uh, later on, and the entire drive there, and then the flight back uh, to Vancouver, that word of prepare, 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 just kept ringing through my head. And so we were sitting outside uh, on our patio, and uh, I said to Bridge, I said, what, what would you think if we packed up and moved, uh, uh, there's a song, pack up and move to California, but what if we packed up and moved to Cairnport? <laughs> And uh, I thought for sure there'd be all kinds of resistance. And she said, okay, let's go. And so uh, on Wednesday, the U-Haul pulled up to Cairnport. There was all kinds of craziness that happened. And uh, the reason I share the rider story from 2013 uh, and the chaos that that was to move to Vancouver, um, you guys are familiar with what's happening this year. 
in November, the Riders are hosting the Grey Cup. Now, I don't know if they're going to win or not, so don't hold me to that. But it's funny how uh, here we are nine years later, and God has distinctly called us back to this area to work at Prairie Hockey Academy. I'm going to serve in, in capacity of giving some leadership as a general manager, and I get the chance to coach a bunch of young U15s, some 14-year-old boys that are coming to us from all over Western Canada uh, to prepare them to get ready to go and play junior hockey and do that to make sure that they understand that they are, there's purpose in their lives. And, uh, and we're really excited about that. Uh, the next slide, I believe, maybe one more, or is that the last one? Did we, did we miss? There was, anyhow, Matthew 5, 14 to 16. Uh, if you've heard me talk before, um, you know that this is my life verse. And uh, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And so, for us, uh, Cairnport is a city on a hill. It can't be hidden. Moose Jaw is a city on a hill. It can't be hidden. Barrett and Bridget, when we light a lamp and put on a light stand, it can't be hidden. When you light your light for Jesus, wherever you are, wherever your rescue shop is going to be set up, it cannot be hidden. And why do we do these crazy things? Why do we move our families across the country? And why do we step into these dangerous spaces and do all these different things that might seem wild and crazy? It's because when God calls you and he says, you know, at this season in your life you were repairing men and now I want you to go and prepare men, then you just pick up and you say, okay, Lord, wherever, wherever you want us. <clears throat> um, had the opportunity, so just in closing, my, my two challenging points is around those two words of repairing and preparing. And, and this would be a couple of my, my summaries. Yesterday I had the chance of uh, Josh and his wife Katie, the ones that are um, going to make us grandparents here in a few months. Uh, Josh is also going to be working at Prairie Hockey Academy, so it's pretty cool I get to work alongside uh, one of my sons. Um, uh, and they've gone to visit some family in Calgary this weekend, and so I took this as an opportunity to uh, work with my older son from Regina. We went to uh, Rona, just up the street here, to buy some lumber to build them a shed because they bought a mobile home out in Cairnport. as their first house. They've been married four years, but they've always lived with her parents or us. And so this is their first time to have their own home. And uh, in, in typical BC style, they call it their tiny home because <laughs> everyone wants these tiny homes. And so their, their mobile home in Cairnport is their tiny home. And uh, I, I went to home, or sorry, to Rona to buy some lumber and then uh, I needed some, some screws and some hinges. And uh, I went in, I got the lumber, and then I went into the store to, um, to get some hinges for the door in the shed. And there, there's row upon row upon row of hinges and door latches. And the price is there. It says what should be there. Uh, but the containers are empty. And there was a moment of frustration. I'm like, how, like, this is Mushaz. Is there that many sheds being built that they're short of hinges? And I thought, well, no, that, that can't be it. And so I finally, as I looked around, I finally found enough hinges. And, and there was like one black one, one silver one, and like one was a triangle shape. But I finally found, out of all the like probably 20 bins, I found four hinges. And I use that story to illustrate and, and throw the question back to you. As you 
ponder where you're going to set up your rescue shop. I think the resistance that we throw back when we're asked where your rescue shop is, um, is, is it, that similar story. When the Lord looks down and, and he wants to set up a rescue shop and he wants to get it built, and, and he looks to the church, he goes to the church to, to grab some shingles and to some, grab some hinges and some four-by-fours, the bins are empty. And the bins are empty for a number of reasons. Because a lot of times we say, well, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a farmer, and, uh, and God can't use me as a farmer. So I'm, I'm not going to do any of that. I'm not available. The inventory for me is, is not there. Or maybe we're, um, we're a retired family, and, uh, and, and we're, we're, we just don't know where we can fit in. Or maybe we're a young family, and it's just like, well, I don't know how we can serve in our community. And so we come up with all these excuses. But I think even deeper than that is we just a lot of times don't understand what our purpose is because we're either insecure, we don't understand who Jesus called us to be, we don't understand what the purpose that he's lit up in our lives that is just really buried by busyness and buried by insecurity and doubt. And so we just say, God, I'm not available. And so when he comes to the church to go and build a rescue shop, the shelves are empty because we ourselves are empty. We think maybe I'm, I'm not good enough to do something like that. I've failed too many times. I missed my calling. God called me 10 years ago, and I didn't step into that, so now I've just got to sit in the back row and let everyone else do it. And he's trying to build rescue shops everywhere here in Moose Jaw and in Saskatchewan and in our nation. But he can't because, first of all, we have to repair ourselves. We have to step forward in confidence and say, no, I'm available, Lord. Even though I've got a, a replaced hip and they fixed my heart and I'm a little chunky and I'm from southern Saskatchewan, I'm here and I'm available. Use me. I might be that one hinge that's over here and I'm dusty, but Lord, use me. I might have used to be, you know, at Trinity Western to repair men, but if you need someone in a rescue shop set up in Cairnport to prepare men, then sign us up. And that's my challenge on the repair side. We need rescue shops built wherever God has you right now. Stop being low on inventory. Trust that God's got purpose for you and then have passion in that and allow him to use you. And secondly, on the prepare side of it, um, it's really encouraging to see lives changed. The baptisms that are going to be taking place this morning tell me <laughs> and are evidence that there are rescue shops already set up. It's not like this is a barren desert. Someone was a light in these lives this morning. At some point, someone intersected their lives because they said, Lord, I'm here, use me in whatever capacity. And, and they were a light. And it's not the fact that they did something special. Because as you continue on, like I said, in verse 16 of verse, or chapter 4 of Matthew, in the same way, let your light shine, that they may see your good deeds. So it's kind of cool that you volunteered and you allowed yourself to be used, but it's not all about you. God orchestrates all that so that they can praise your Father in heaven. He's just asking you to be available. He's not asking to be busier and give more and do more. He's just asking you to be available so that lives can be changed. So we have baptisms every Sunday. In fact, we have to schedule them on Wednesdays. 
and we have to schedule them out at the camp and down at the river and wherever it is because that's what happens when lives are changed. People want to continue to move forward in their faith because they got so much passion. And so when we prepare ourselves, then we can begin to prepare the way for others. And that's my challenge to you on those two fronts. And, and at the end of the day, why? Just like people said in 2013, why would you be crazy like that and do all that stuff with the Rough Riders and commute back and forth? And why would you move from Vancouver and how beautiful it is out there and all the craziness that you can be involved in out there? And why would you move all the way back to Cairnport? Why? And it's not a matter of why. It's just, Lord, here we are. Use us. And so that's my challenge to you in as, as clear as I possibly can. Repair yourselves so the church can be repaired so that we can go and prepare the way for others. Amen.